All right. Well, good morning, H2O. It is real good to be together this morning. My name is Kent. I am the uh, creative arts and worship director here with the church. But every once in a while, I get opportunities like this to, to stand up here and, and share with you guys. And so real excited to, to be doing it this morning. Um, if I haven't met you, just a little, little fun fact about me. I love to, to watch movies. And uh, I'm the type of person that when I watch a movie, I like to like really zone in. Like, don't talk to me. I'm like, I'm watching every scene, right? I'm listening. My wife is not that way. For her, movie time is, is more of like a social thing. Is anybody else out there? Are you kind of like that? Maybe a couple? Okay. Um, we love you, you people, people like me. We still love you. I love my wife. She's way more fun to watch movies with than I am. Um, but I've learned over the course of our marriage that if I just catch her up with what's going on, because she's going to ask me, like she's going to turn to me and be like, hey, what's going on at some point? I've learned that if I catch her up, the movie experience is just so much better. And I know that, that for some of us this morning, we're here and we're, we're kind of just jumping into this series and, and you might be asking, like, what are we doing? What is this I Am series all about? So I just want to take a second, give a quick recap, because really it is better when we're all kind of in it together. So if you haven't been here, right now, we are in the middle of this series that we have called I Am. And we're looking at these seven sort of I Am statements that Jesus has made about himself. All of them are from the, the book of John. And what we've seen so far is that these statements are really, really bold. Right? That in fact, when Jesus would, would share these statements, the majority of the time, his listeners would either like they'd argue or they'd complain or they'd actually like pick up stones and try to kill him. Which begs the question, Why? Like, like, what was it that Jesus was saying that was so bold, perhaps even so offensive? And what we've seen so far, and, and Matt alluded to this last, last week, that the answer to that question is the whole theme of the book of John. And so Matt showed us this picture, actually. Um, I can throw it up, up there. That There's a theme for each of the four Gospels, right? That in, in Matthew, the whole theme was that Jesus is this Jewish Messiah. In Mark, it was that Jesus is the servant to the Romans, in Luke, that he's the Savior of all, and then in John, that Jesus was saying that he is God. And so obviously that was a bold claim back then, right? <laughs> like that'll ruffle some feathers to claim that you're God, and, and it's still bold for us today, but, but our hope for this series is that we would see the boldness, but beyond that, that we would also see the beauty, right? That it's not just a bold claim, that it's, that it's really, really beautiful. And I think that's really important for us to see this morning because if you're here and you're someone who maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian yet, it's probably not because you have some huge issue with the statement that Jesus made, that he is God. It's probably just because you haven't seen what makes it so beautiful, right? You've maybe seen its boldness. You've maybe seen some people arguing about it. Hopefully you haven't seen anyone actually like pick up stones, right? Like hopefully that hasn't happened in this day and age, but... Perhaps you haven't seen its beauty. And so you're still out there looking for something that's better. And I think the beauty of this, this statement uh, that Jesus is God is hard for Christians to grasp, too. Like, we can just forget it because we hear it so much, right? We hear Jesus is God, and then we check the box, and we kind of just move on, and, and we miss the beauty. And so I have just loved this series because each of these sort of like I am statements, each of these metaphors that Jesus uses is simultaneously about his God nature, but then also about God's good nature. When Jesus says, I am God, in all of these different metaphors, he's also using these metaphors to show us how God is good. And so in week one, we saw that for the spiritually hungry, he said, I'm the bread of life. 
And then in week two, for those who are in dark places, he said, I'm the light of the world. And then last week, we saw that for those who feel left out, that he's the door to get in. And so it's been just really good. Now we're all caught up. We're all on the same page. And I just want to continue that series this morning. We're going to be looking at this statement that Jesus made when he said, I'm the good shepherd. Um, but before we dive in, let me, just, let me just pray for us one more time, and, and then we'll get going. So God, just pray that you would just speak to us this morning. I pray that as, as we listen, God, that we wouldn't just see the boldness of the statements that you made, but we'd also see the beauty. Lord, I pray that we could taste and see how good you really are. Amen. All right. Well, I am the good shepherd. Really excited to, to be kind of wrestling with this this morning. This is a really well-known statement. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this before. Um, maybe you've seen our stained glass window over here. It's covered up right now, so I have a picture of it. Uh, so that's what is behind the curtain back there. Um, I've always had kind of like a love-hate relationship with, with this, to be honest. Like, just looking at it, I don't necessarily love the way that Jesus is depicted with kind of like the flowing sort of brown hair, and I kind of think the sheep off to the left, like, looks like he's up to something. <laughs> if you look, like, so, I don't know, but I do love the idea, like, I love the idea behind this, behind this painting, and, and the idea behind this really is our big idea for today, so if you don't remember anything else I say, remember this, is that the big idea is that the good shepherd doesn't want us to wander through life, but to follow him to new life. Good shepherd doesn't want us to wander through life but to follow him to new life. And so we're going to sort of unpack that statement today. And so if you would, just go ahead and take out your Bibles. We're going to be in John 10, starting in verse 11 this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the, the back of the pews. We would love if you would just take that home as our gift to you. Um, and we're going to jump in right where Matt Party left off last week. And what we saw right there in, in, in John 10, 11, or we saw before that, was that Jesus is having this conversation with a group of Jewish people, and he's talking to them, and he's saying, I am the gate, or I am the door, right? And he's describing himself in these different metaphors, and they're just not getting it. They're just not understanding it. Um, and so by verse 11, he switches metaphors, and he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. That's just... A beautiful passage. I, I love that. And really what, what stands out to me is that Jesus, he could have chose any metaphor to describe himself, right? He could have chose a king. He could have chose a fisherman. But he chose a shepherd, right? And there's probably a lot of different reasons for that. It was probably relatable to them, right? It's an agrarian culture. There were, there were probably sheep all over the place. I think also it was to make this bold statement, right, that he was God. They had the Old Testament scriptures in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, it said that God would come and lead his people like a shepherd. So I think there was a lot of boldness in it and relatability. But beyond that, I think the thing that's really beautiful about his choice of calling himself a shepherd is that Jesus just wants us to know 
that we're like sheep. He wants us to know that we're like sheep. And some of you are looking at me and you're like, that sounds kind of weird. And I understand. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I actually grew up in Bradenton, Florida, about an hour south of Tampa, maybe like a 10-minute drive from the beach. And so I'm just not that familiar with sheep. They're not just like bouncing around down there. Um, so I had to look up three characteristics of sheep that someone else came up with. And I just want to share them with you uh, this morning. Um, but quick warning about these. These characteristics are not necessarily flattering about sheep, and um, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I do think if we kind of let our guard down and, and pay attention, I think if we're honest, we can relate to at least one or two of these. So here we go. Three characteristics that I learned about sheep. Number one, sheep are dumb. <laughs> sheep are dumb. I actually hesitated to put this, not just because it's offensive, but because there's a lot of articles out there that, that suggest, no, sheep aren't dumb, like they're just meek. That's what they all said. They're not dumb, they're just meek. But what I found is that those articles are, are talking about sheep with a shepherd. I'm going to suggest that at least sheep without a shepherd, they're a little bit dumb. And I'm going to prove it to you. You be the judge here. I'm going to read you an actual article from USA Today in 2005. So apparently there wasn't a lot going on in 2005. They're writing articles about sheep. Um, but here it is. It says, People from the town of Jeevis watched in horror as one sheep jumped to its death and then 1,500 others followed over the same cliff. When the villagers whose livelihoods depended on the flock arrived at the bottom of the mountain, they found a billowy white pile of death. 450 sheep were lost, but amazingly, 1,000 animals had survived. It seems that as the pile grew higher, the fall was more cushioned. (laughs) Oh, man, I love that. It turns out that the shepherds responsible for protecting the flock had left the sheep on the mountain to eat breakfast when fleeces started to fly. That's a true story. <laughs> that actually was news in 2005. So I submit to you that, that, that sheep are, are just a little bit dumb. And if that's still a little bit harsh, let me say it like this. Sheep are followers. Sheep follow other sheep. Let me ask you this. Have you ever gone with the consensus instead of going with your conviction? Have you ever followed somebody else? Have you ever done anything where afterwards you were like, why did I do that? Like, that was just kind of dumb. Like, why did I do that? I want to show you guys a picture of me from back in high school. This is me. I just look at this, and I'm like, what was I thinking with that haircut? Like, I look like I'm from the 70s or something. Like, this is in the 2000s. But, like, this is what I thought was cool. Like, everybody had haircuts like that, and so that's what I went with. And I just look at that, and I'm like, man, I'm like a sheep. I'm dumb. And maybe you can't relate to that, but listen, there are times when we follow, right? There are, there are things that we do where we're just following other people, right? Maybe for you, people are gossiping about something and you don't have all the facts, but you're tempted to jump in anyway because that's what everybody else is doing, right? Or maybe they're watching something that you know you shouldn't watch and so you jump in or, or they're drinking a little too much and it's a social thing and so you want to be a part of it and, and it leads you to do the same thing or perhaps you, you buy that thing that you can't afford because they have it. Whatever it is, we follow. And sometimes people lead us to places where God has not called us to go. So that's number one. We're like sheep. Sheep are dumb. Number two, sheep are defenseless. Sheep are defenseless. I'm going to tell you a a sentence that you'll never hear. 
You'll never hear someone come up to you and say, bro, did you see that YouTube video of the sheep that totally just whooped up that lion? You will never hear that because sheep are completely defenseless. Literally, I learned that the way that sheep defend themselves when they're in danger, like from a lion or a wolf, is they'll all get together and they'll just run in a circle. All of them just, that's the best they've come up with. <laughs> like, they just run in a, I think they hope that like the wolf will pick off one of their friends and not them. But they're just totally defenseless, which, you know, it sounds kind of silly, but honestly, like, the same is true for us spiritually. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I read that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, we are not equipped on our own for that type of a battle, right? To quote every action movie ever, it's like we're outgunned and we're outmanned, right? There's some things that we, we can't do anything to defend ourselves from. And I want to tell you a quick story. Um, back in high school, when I, when I looked like that, uh, me and a buddy of mine were, were walking around on the beach and it was really, really crowded. And we just like, we couldn't find a spot to, to set up camp. And so we decided, all right, we'll cross the street and let's just walk further down the beach to find a good spot. And so we're walking, and, you know, it's taken a while, and after about 20 minutes, we finally find this spot on the beach, and it's, like, perfect. Like, the waves are crashing down. It was one of those moments where you look at it, and it's just, like, you know, a voice from above. Like, this is the spot. <laughs> and so I get really excited, and, you know, I take off, and I, I start to cross the street to go to this, this spot on the beach, and then just, bam, out go the lights, pitch black. I don't know what's going on. And then I like open my eyes and everything is spinning. And I look to my left and there's a car with the front window just smashed in. I had been hit by a car that was going 35 miles an hour. And apparently I had flipped up onto the hood, smashed through the front windshield. They had hit the brakes and I rolled off of the front. Didn't even know that it ha had happened. But here's the crazy part, because that's not crazy enough. I actually get up and I say to the driver of the car who's checking on me, I say, no, no, man, I'm fine. Just let me go to the beach. I'm good. Like, let me go. And I try to walk away as if nothing had happened. And he's obviously like, no. He actually pushed me down. And he's like, lay there. You could have internal bleeding. There's an ambulance coming. Like, just lay there. And so I did. And everything ended up being fine. But here's why I share that story. Some of us have been wrecked in life either from a, a choice that you've made or from, from something that was out of your control. You've been hit by something, and you're trying to get up and walk away on your own as if nothing has happened. Either you're embarrassed about it, or for some other reason, you're trying to just go it alone. Man, if I would have just literally walked away from that, that like, car accident, I probably would have walked right back into the road because I was so dizzy. I would have gotten hit by another car, right? This situation where I was totally defenseless. There are some things in life that we just need help out of. We just need to be open about. We need to share certain things. So we're like sheep. Sheep are, are defenseless against some things. That's point number two. And point number three is that sheep are directionless. Sheep are directionless. And this is, this is kind of an interesting point when I looked into it. If you put a sheep in a pasture and give it everything it needs, like give it grass, give it clear water, give it other, you know, sheeps to be friends with and everything like that, it will still just wander away and get itself into trouble. It'll get caught in like weeds, you'll just find them stuck in bushes, 
They'll fall off of cliffs. They just, they will. I heard a story of a, of a farmer who actually had a flock of sheep, and there was a spot in the corner of this, like, fence that he had that you couldn't quite see. And one of the sheep just wandered over into the corner, sat down, and died. <laughs> this is what they do. They just, you know, they just wander off. Um, every year, as a staff team, we have a prayer retreat, and uh, part of it is us, like, just going off on our own just to kind of pray to God for what he'll do here in the church. And this past year, we went out and we're in the woods of Kentucky and we, you know, you go out on your own. And I'm like, I just like to explore. So I'm walking around and I find a spot and I sit down and I start to read and I start to pray. But maybe after like 10 minutes, I see this other spot. And I'm like, oh, that spot looks better. So I get up, and I move, and I go to the other spot, and I sit down. About 10 minutes later, I see another spot. Oh, that's, that's the spot. Like, that's where, I'm gonna, yeah, that's where it's going to happen. So I get up, and I move. And this just keeps on happening. And by the end, I'm scraped up. Like, snakes have come up to me. All this, like, stuff has happened. And, you know, by the end of it, I realize, man, if I would have just stayed and been content with where I was, this would have been much more of a productive time. Have you ever felt like that in life? Where God has put you in a situation and he's given you what you need, and he said, I want, I want you to obey me in this area and that area, but there's just something in you that says, what if I'm missing out? Maybe I need to, to join in. Maybe I need to do these other things, because if I don't, then I'm going to miss out on something better. Maybe for you, you run to a particular person or a particular habit. This has always been a problem in, in humanity, really. There's an old hymn called Come Thou Fount, and it's got these, these two lines in it that I really love. Um, and the lines are, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That just resonates with me because no matter like, what God has done to prove his goodness to me, no matter what he's given me to provide, there's just this thing in me that loses sight of that at times. And I can wander, and I end up worse off. We can be like sheep and we can be directionless. So to summarize the, the sheep portion, we can be dumb, defenseless, and directionless. And I hope you can relate to, to at least one of those because, listen, there's some really good news for you if you can. Isaiah 53.6 says this. says, we all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. But here's the really good news. It says, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. That in spite of all the stuff we talked about, all the ways that, that the sheep can behave, that, that Jesus still wants to be our shepherd. That's what I love about his choice in metaphors, right? He could have just been bold. He could have said, I am a king, the king of kings. I am God. That would have been really bold. No, he says I'm a shepherd because he wants us to see that we are like his sheep. And in spite of that, he still wants to be our shepherd. This is so beautiful. And so what I want to do now is I want to just take a couple minutes and I want to look at some things about the shepherd, right? I want to transition. So I'm going to read the passage one more time and then we're going to talk about the shepherd. Verse 11 again. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock 
one shepherd. The other thing I want to point out is that he does not just say, I am the shepherd, right? He says, I am the good shepherd. And what's interesting is that word for good in the original language literally translates to beautiful. Isn't that interesting? It's literally this word that means beautiful or noble. So what I want to do is I want to pull out three things that show what makes this good shepherd so good, what makes him beautiful. And the first is this, that the good shepherd is relational. He's relational. We saw it said, I know my sheep and they know me. He knows his sheep and they know him. Now, if I'm, if I'm a shepherd, if I were to you know, take myself out of this situation and go become a shepherd. I, I'm like a task-oriented person, and so I'd probably be all about, like, let's just get the sheep from point A to point B, right? Like, I don't want to pet you. I don't want to know you. I just want to get you where we're going. This is not him. The word there that he knows the sheep is actually a really intimate word. It's not just intellectual knowledge. They've been through stuff together. Are there people in your life that know you really well? For me, it's my wife. I remember before we got, we got married, before we got engaged, actually, I'd probably shared like 90% of, of the stuff in, in my life with her, but there was still this 10% that I was kind of holding on to where I'm like, if I share this stuff with her, like, what will she think? You know, will she walk away? Like, what's going to happen? And so I was nervous, and I ended up asking if her and I could take a walk, and so we, we walked around, and then eventually I got up the courage, and I said, hey, I just I want to tell you about this 10%. And I shared, and I, and I remember she just looked at me and she, she said, thanks for telling me, I love you. And I share that with you because this is what God does with us. He knows everything about us to the last 10%, even the things that you haven't shared with anybody. He knows. It said right there, he knows his sheep as the Father knows me and I know the Father. How much do you think the Father knows the Son? A lot. In verse 30, it actually says, I and the Father are one. That's pretty much as much as you can know someone, right? I and the Father are one. He knows everything. He knows our doubts. He knows our fears, our successes, literally everything. And he still loves us. Isn't that so good? Isn't that so beautiful? That's what makes this shepherd so good. So that's point number one. The good shepherd is relational. Point two is the good shepherd is loving. And I want to just uh, unpack that word loving because I just think that's a word that gets kind of diluted in our culture. And so um, I think it was about two years ago, this guy named Scott Kindig, he's a pastor, came and shared with us as a church at our fall retreat. And he was talking about shepherds, actually, in, in ancient times, and how at times when sheep would wander off, like particularly like problem sheep, that would wander and get themselves into trouble and into harm's way, like near-death sheep kind of stuff, what the shepherd would do is he'd actually find these sheep and he'd break their legs. And then he would carry the sheep back to the flock and he would reset the leg, wrap it, and then nurse that sheep back to health. And then over the course of however long it took, through the pain and, and through the care of, of the shepherd, that sheep learned to never leave the shepherd's side. And honestly, it sounds cruel, right? Because that's like, that's like pain, you know? But, but here's what I want us to hear is that the shepherd cares about what's best for the sheep. He cares about what's best for the sheep. He wants not to lead the sheep into harm's way, but to lead the sheep to somewhere better. Hebrews 4.6 says this, My son, 
Do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you're reproved by him. For the, Lord's di- for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Real love doesn't always feel good. Sometimes there's, there's discipline. Sometimes there's reproof. I was actually sharing some of this message with my wife a couple nights ago, and I asked afterwards, like, what did you think about it? And she was like, well, honestly, and she gave me, like, some, like, thoughts, and I, it didn't feel good, honestly, but, it, like, it helped me wrap some things up and, and clarify some things. Real love doesn't always just tell us what we want to hear. It tells us what we need to hear. And that's what this, that's what this shepherd is all about. David says it like this, he leads me by still waters and makes me lie down in green pastures, right? He loves us where we're at, but he's taking us somewhere better. This is the kind of love that makes the good shepherd good. That's point number two. Point number three is that the good shepherd is sacrificial. He's sacrificial. There's there's a phrase in there that keeps repeating, And anytime you're reading the Bible, if there's a phrase that repeats, you want to underline that because it's important. And in this passage, he says, I lay down my life for the the sheep. And then he repeats it. I lay down my life for the sheep. And as we go on, we'll see that he's going to keep repeating it. And then he actually contrasts it with this hired man, right? This person who's really just in the job for the money. And all of us have probably like experienced this, right? There's a lot of self-help materials out there. People making these like sort of promises, you know, like if you just follow my three-step program, you know, and you give 1995 for the next 100 years of your life, then everything will change. You know, your life is going to be better. You're going to have this sort of new experience. Jesus says those are hired men. I'm not like that. I, I care about the sheep. They don't care about you. They don't know you. I know you. I care about the sheep. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel, that, that literally the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But what's crazy is it doesn't stop at that point. If we jump back in at verse 17, it says, this is why the Father loves me, because I'm laying down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. So Jesus is saying that even beyond just sacrificing for his sheep, he actually has the power to cause change. He's actually going to rise again, right? This beautiful reality where he's pointing to his death and his resurrection on the cross. And by putting our faith and trust in that truth, everything can actually change. We can actually experience new life. And as sheep who are often defined by being dumb, directionless, defenseless, that doesn't have to be the reality for us. We don't have to be defined by what we've done, but by what's been done for us. So I want to show you some words that the Bible uses to define those who are new in in Christ. It says daughter, son, clean, reborn, chosen. This is what the good shepherd wants to speak of his sheep. He doesn't want us just to wander through life. He wants to lead us to this new life, to redefine who we are. And the question really is, how will we respond? And it's interesting, if you look in the text, we see that the next few verses, the Jews do not respond well. They say that he's insane and that he has a demon. Uh, And if you're insane and you have a demon, 
I don't know if that's a double negative. I don't, yeah, I don't understand exactly, but there's things that they don't like about it. And so if you skip down to verse 22, Jesus doesn't give up. It says, then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, that's Hanukkah, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple complex of Solomon's colonnade, probably to keep warm. Then the Jews surround him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. They wanted a bold statement, right? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And here's what's crazy. He says, I did tell you, and you don't believe Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the Father and I are one. I love that. It's a group of people who who come up to Jesus, they surround him, And they say, listen, give us this bold statement, right? You're talking about shepherds. Just tell us like, I am God. Tell us I am the king of kings. And Jesus said, listen, I did. But I told you that my my God nature is also my good nature. Like you have this idea of God and it's not good. But my idea of God, it looks like a shepherd. And the people didn't want to hear it. They didn't hear his voice. Perhaps they just didn't want to. And so what I want to ask all of us this morning is, have you heard the shepherd's voice? As we've been processing through his goodness, as we've been processing through some of the characteristics of sheep, have you heard the shepherd's voice? He doesn't want us just to to live our lives wandering around, being defined by these things. He wants to lead us into new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and look, the new things have come. 